0: Chapter 24, we'll look at chapters 24 and 25 today, and I today, this is going to be probably one of the first times, if ever, that I have ever taught on this subject we're going to focus on more today. Now, before you get nervous, it's okay, all right? Um, but I, I don't think I have ever taught on this subject before, and I'm excited about it. And uh, as I studied it, the Lord really ministered to me. Uh, about this topic and about how it needs to be more of a priority and a thought in my life and how it can be uh, a priority and a thought in your life. And uh, so we said last week we were looking as Jesus is continuing to prepare for his purpose. He's getting closer and closer to the cross. Um, he, Of course, he's been, prepa- been, been preparing for uh, this purpose for his entire ministry going all the way back to the beginning but we see that he's growing closer and closer, and as he does, uh, we know that he is becoming more focused, and he's becoming more clear in his communication, both to his disciples and to the rest of uh, the world around him, Uh, and so he's trying to prepare his followers, first of all, for his purpose on the cross. Uh, Remember, he's going to spend a lot of time Uh, talking about how he's going to go to the cross, how he's going to be betrayed, how he's going to be tortured, how he's going to endure much pain and suffering, how he's going to die, and how he'll rise again. And the disciples didn't always get that, uh, but he's still trying to prepare them. And Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for what is going to follow. Uh, He wants them to be ready. His entire ministry for three and a half years primarily has been wrapped up in these 12 guys trying to teach them, train them, show them what it means to be a disciple and how they can do that after he is gone. And so he's trying to prepare them. And so in Matthew chapter number 24, we see a continuation of that. And uh, we see that Jesus is on the Mount of Olives in verse number three. And uh, this is a passage of scripture that is known as the Olivet Discourse. And just because Jesus is going to be talking for a very long time, a monologue basically, uh, and he is on the Mount of Olives. So it's known as the Olivet Discourse. And uh, he is stating to the disciples the fact that their purpose... The reason why he has called them, the reason why he has done all of this with them is just beginning, because he's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to uh, fulfill his purpose on earth at this time. He's getting ready to rise again from the dead and then ascend into heaven, and then they will be left here. We know with the Holy Spirit, the comforter, as he talks about in John, uh, they'll be left here to carry on their purpose for for the rest of their lives. And uh, their purpose is just the beginning. And it's in fact what they do going forward, not what they have learned previously, not what they are doing even while Jesus is here, but it's what they're gonna do going forward that's gonna determine their effectiveness and their impact uh, on the world. And so Jesus starts here and uh, he begins to look at uh, and tell the disciples some things that they need to be ready for even in this life. Uh, as they serve him. Uh, and so look at verse number four of Matthew chapter number 24. And I don't have these verses for the screen yet, so if you have your Bibles, look there. Matthew 24 and verse number four, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumor of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence earthquakes, in diverse places, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end the same shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. And so Jesus is explaining to his disciples he says all right look guys you're about to launch into your purpose. I'm going to leave I'm going to leave you with the comfort of the Holy Spirit to help you and you You here to do, but you need to expect some things. It's not going to all be flowers and roses and peaches and cream. Life is not always going to be easy, and so I want to prepare you. And so he tells them what to expect. He tells them to be prepared for false teachers, those that will hijack uh, and and the truth in the name of Jesus Christ. He tells them uh, be on the lookout for violence and conflict throughout the entire world. Uh, Be looking for natural disasters. What's that? That's bad things that happen to good people. Things that we cannot control, that are out of our control. Uh, The persecution of both them, the disciples personally, uh, from within, from those that should be on their side, from those that should be following with them, from those that should be helping them, and from without, from the world, where we expect it to come from. And then he told them to expect in verse number Twelve, a dying out of the passionate love of believers for Christ. It'll be harder and harder to serve Jesus. It'll be harder and harder to see others serve Jesus with them. And, and, And I think the important thing as we prepare to move on, but as Jesus starts with this, as Jesus starts with telling the disciples, this is what you need to expect. He is telling them this because he wants them to know that trials are not the end. Trials are not the end. Uh, Look what he says in in verse number six. He says, You shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you be not in trouble. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. That's not the end. The trials, the tribulations, the testings. We we talked about testings the last couple of weeks as we prepare for our purpose. Uh, That's not the end. Persecution is not the end. Hardship is not the end. I remember I was in college and uh, you know college can be a difficult time uh, as you're trying to learn new things and you're juggling schedule and you're trying to f- handle your finances. And especially if you go to college away from home, you're away from your family and you've got questions about your future. And uh, there, there, there can be a lot of difficult things that you endure during that time. But I remember I was sitting in college and I heard a message in chapel one day uh, from, I think it was a missionary, who preached a message uh, saying that this is not the end. This is not the end that whatever hard thing whatever difficulty whatever trial or test that you are facing right now it will not last forever it will not last forever you know when when you're going through a hard time when you're going through a trial in life claim one of the best verses in the bible it came to pass it came to pass now it may pass like a kidney stone but it'll pass it will not stay Uh, I'll never forget he preached that message and he said whatever you are dealing with whatever trouble you are facing now write it down and blank will not last forever blank will not last forever And I remember I did that I I wrote it down and I this will not last forever and at the time that hardship I don't even remember what it was that hardship that trial that difficulty it was huge Uh, I didn't know how I was going to get through the day I didn't know how I was going to get through the week I didn't know how I was going to get to the future, but it didn't last forever. And so let me encourage you. And I think Jesus is trying to tell his disciples right here, guys, you're going to go through some things in life. That's not the end. Life is not over. It may be hard. It may be difficult, but it will not last forever. And I believe he starts his teaching here uh, with that because now he moves into, all right, now what about the end? Because while we're living this life, knowing that the things that we have to endure and the things that we have to deal with are not the end, the end is coming. The end is coming. And so we need to think about that. So I want to, uh, again, just for the rest of our time, just think about that idea that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Now, I know that I am sitting in a room full of single people for the most part. And that's not something that single people like to think about. Okay, I was there. Uh, I prayed that prayer. Lord, let me get married first before you come back. Uh, I've been there. All right. Uh, But the fact of the matter is Jesus is coming again. And I think that as we read in these two chapters, there's a there's a mindset we need to have about it. It's a mindset that we, for the most part, as Christians, and I'm talking just in general, do not have. We've lost it. And so we need to make sure that we have the right mindset about Jesus coming again. Uh, Look at Matthew 24, verse number 37, because Jesus starts and he gives us an example. He uses the story of Noah to jog the memory and kind of remind the disciples that this is happening soon. Verse number 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all the way, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be grinding uh, at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for ye Know not what hour your Lord doth come. The mindset that Jesus is coming, and he's coming at any moment. He uses this example of Noah and all the people that that were taken and swept away by the flood. They didn't know it was coming. They weren't expecting it from all over the world. Certainly, they had probably never seen rain before or water coming up from the fountains below them. And so this was totally unexpected. And Jesus says, that's the way that I'm going to come back. The world is not going to expect me to be coming back. Now, Noah did. Noah and his family expected it and were prepared, but the world is not going to be prepared for me coming back. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for ye yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape but ye brethren are not in the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief ye are all the children of light the children of day we are not of the night nor of darkness therefore let us not sleep as do others but let us watch and be sober for they that sleep sleep in the night they that be drunken are drunken in the night but let us who of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet and the hope salvation Uh, first peter 4 7 says but the end of all things is at hand be therefore sober and watch Unto prayer, second Peter three, verse number ten, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what matter of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall burn with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. All of those verses had something very... Two two themes. First of all, we need to be expecting it to happen. We should be watching for it. We should be looking for it, knowing that Jesus is coming back. And then he says, be sober, Uh, be sober. And that's just not talking about not drinking alcohol. That's talking about being clear of your mind, being in control of your mind, uh, being serious, realizing that there is something big that's coming and we need to be prepared for it. Uh, He said, watch, be vigilant, be looking, be expecting, be waiting Let it affect you. And this is what I want to say. We need to think more about the fact that Jesus is coming back. And we need to let it affect us. We need to let it affect us. Uh, We need to be thinking about it. Uh, We have lost our hope in Christ's return. And I, I mean that in churches in general, Christianity in general. I'm speaking about myself right now. We have lost our hope. In Christ's return. Now, we did not lose the fact that we believe He's coming back. We believe that Jesus is coming back. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, if you believe that Jesus is coming back, coming back soon, everybody in here would raise your hand. We did not lose the belief. we have lost the hope. We have lost the hope. Uh, we don't live like we believe that Jesus is coming back. Uh, What does Titus say in Titus 2? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation at the pier to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live, there it is again, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Because we're looking for that blessed hope. And remember, hope in the Bible is something we expect, something that we're looking for, something that we, we know is going to happen at some point. Something that that it affects the way that we live now because we know that one day we're going to see it, we're going to receive it. Jesus coming back is that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have lost our hope. We've lost our hope. Uh, Let me give you this quote by a man named A.W. Tozer. He says, I think this is the first thing in your handout. I think we must note that there is a vast difference Between the doctrine of Christ's coming and the hope of his coming. There's a difference between knowing that Jesus is coming back and hoping that Jesus is coming back. He says it surely is possible to hold the doctrine without feeling a trace of the blessed hope. Mm. It is possible because this is how I live for the most part. This is how the majority of us live. We know that Jesus is coming back, but for the most part, it doesn't affect us at all. For the most part, yeah, it's a, I know I'm going to heaven one day. You know, it's just a fact of life. Death taxes and Jesus is coming back. Yep. It should affect us. It should affect us. See, the wrong mindset as we look to Jesus coming back is, I don't know when it's going to happen, so I'm not going to think about it or let it affect me. I'm not going to even think about it Uh, the wrong mindset is i'm just going to focus on the here and now instead of what will be tomorrow over there i'm just i'm not going to think about it at all i'm just going to focus on everything that i can do right now in this world in this life can i also say the wrong mindset is it can happen anytime because this is some people it can happen anytime so there's no point of doing anything except just looking for it i'm just going to look for jesus to come back that's also the right, wrong mindset. That's the, the mindset that the disciples had when Jesus went right up to heaven in Acts chapter number one. Right after Jesus left, they're just standing there, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for Jesus to come back. And the disciple has to come down, or the angel has to come down and says, "Hey guys, let's get busy. Let's get busy." See, the right mindset is it could happen any time, so I need to be busy doing what I'm called to do while I'm expecting it to happen. The right mindset is I know it's going to happen, so I need to be busy doing what I'm called to do while I expect it to happen. Uh, The problem is spiritually, spiritually for the most part, we are way, way as believers. And again, I am not referring to just us. I'm referring to churches and believers and Christians in general. We are way too comfortable. Uh, We have taken off our spiritual work boots. We have laid aside our spiritual uniform. Uh, We have put our armor by the door. We have spiritually put on our fuzzy slippers and our pajamas and grabbed our bucket of ice cream and have sat down on the couch because that's what you do when it's night. Or when it's getting close to night. That's what I do at least. Uh, That's what you do. You get comfortable. When the night is coming, you want to get comfortable. But that's not what we're supposed to do as Christians because the night is coming, but it's not here yet. The night is coming, but it's not here yet. See, it's, it's not night yet. Jesus said it's harvest time. That means it's still day. Now it may be getting close to night. It may, it may be getting, starting to get dark. Uh, it may start to, you know, the, the light may be waning, but it's not dark yet. It's not nighttime. It's harvest time. And can I say, uh, uh, when, when it's getting close to being dark, especially on days like today, that's the best time to be out in the field. Right, AJ? <laughs> that's the best time. That's what I mow my lawn. Uh, that's the best time to be out in the field. That, that, this right can I tell you, this day and age in which we live in, especially in a world that just came off a global pandemic, this is the time to be in the harvest field. This is the time to be working. This is the time to be serving. This is the best time. Night has not come yet. Uh, Mr. Tozer said this as well. Another reason for the absence of real yearning for Christ's return is that Christians are so comfortable in this world that they have little desire to leave it. Mm. We don't think about the fact that Jesus is coming back because we would rather stay here for a while longer. And I'm not against having a comfortable life. I'm not against having things. I'm not against uh, pursuing and, and working a job and, and, and allowing God to bless you. But if that overtakes the fact that we're looking for Jesus to come back one day, that's a problem. Again, we're, we're comfortable. We've got into a routine. We, we get into a routine, and we're happy with our routine, and we've got God as a part of our life. You know, he's a, he's a slice of that pie. He's the Sunday morning slice. He's the Wednesday slice. He's the 15 minutes at the beginning of the day slice. God is a slice of our pie, but he says, no, 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 no. I need to be at the center and Jesus is at the center. Then he's our focus and we're looking for him to come back one day. We're looking for him to come back one day. Have we become so comfortable in pursuing, not just having things be a part of our life, but pursuing temporal things, earthly things, physical things that we have lost sight on things above? that we have lost sight of spiritual things, the things that are coming. Uh, we've got to be people who believe with our hearts that Jesus is coming back. We, we hope, we expect it. We, look, we, we expect it to happen, as Scripture says, any day, any time. We can't just be people who only believe it as a fact, that, that we believe it's a fact, just like 2 plus 2 is 4, Jesus is coming again. Uh, 2 plus 2 is 4 doesn't probably affect much in your life unless it has to do with donuts uh you you it doesn't affect you but the fact that the truth that jesus is coming again that ought to change you that ought to change you the fact that jesus christ your savior your king your redeemer your god is coming back to earth for you at any moment he's coming back for you that needs to be a fact that we allow to change our lives. So Jesus begins kind of introducing this fact to the disciples. He said, you've got a life to live here. You're going to have to deal some things. But there's a reason why you need to live it correctly, because I'm coming back one day. I'm coming back one day. And then he goes and he gives about five examples of this for the disciples uh, to look at. So let's look at a few of these today before we finish. Uh, he starts in verse number 43. Verse number 43 and he uses this example several times. We've already read several verses with it. But verse number 43 is an example of the homeowner, the good men of the house, and the thief. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man Cometh. Now, don't, don't think as Jesus refers to himself or his coming like a thief in the night that that's a negative thing. All right? He's not referring to himself as a thief, but the surprise, the unknown, uh, the, the, the secrecy of someone trying to break into somebody's house, they're not going to go tell them when they're doing it. Uh, and the same is true. Jesus is not going to tell us or this world when he is coming back. Uh, he calls himself a thief in several other passages. We read this a minute ago. For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Second Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Uh, Revelation 3.3. Wherefore, uh, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And then Revelation 16, 15, behold, I come as a thief again, not in the negative sense, just that it's coming suddenly, that it's coming secretly, that it's coming for those who aren't looking. But going back to Matthew chapter number 24, the interesting thing is how Jesus refers to this. He says, but know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what, what does he say? Watch. He said the good man of the house had known what watch. If the homeowner had known approximately what time the thief would have come, he'd been watching. He does not say if the homeowner had known exactly what time. He did not say if the homeowner had known what hour. He did not say if the homeowner had known what minute. He said what watch. And, and in Jewish day during this time, the night 12 hours of the night was divided into three hour watches three hour watches or three hour increments And so Jesus is saying look the goodman didn't even need to know exactly what time he just needs to know approximately He just needs to know what watch that the thief is coming and he would have been up Didn't even matter if it was the last watch of the night when he should be sleeping is tired and is ready to about get up He would have been up and watching for the thief to come Jesus is telling that we know the watch. We know the watch. We don't know the exact time. We don't know the exact minute. We don't know the exact hour, but we know the watch. We know that it's coming soon. We know that it's approximately gonna be any time now. We know that it's going to be very, very soon. And because of that, we need to be ready. Because of that, we need to be like that Goodman. We know the watch. If he'd have known, he would have been watching we know so we need to be ready we need to be looking for jesus to come back and look at verse number 45 verse number 45 again we see another example verse number 45 who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season blessed is that servant whom his lord when he cometh shall find so doing verily that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. So we've got a master who leaves. He leaves all of his goods, his household, his other servants in charge of one person. He's given responsibility over all of it. And the servant, because his master is gone and he knows that he will return one day, he makes sure that he handles it correctly. He makes sure that he leads the other servants correctly. He makes sure that he takes care of all of the master's goods and his possessions correctly. He makes sure that he handles it correctly. But then, We see in verse number 48, the opposite. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and he shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth let me say this from this story and this is i think the next statement in your handout our attitudes or our attitude towards the the next life will affect our actions in this one our attitude towards the next life will affect our actions in this one the difference between those two servants they were given the same responsibilities they were given the same opportunity the reason why one acted one way and the other acted the other was how what they thought about their master coming back. The wicked servant said he's not coming back anytime soon. The wise, good servant said it could be any day. Their, their attitudes toward the next life or ter, toward their master coming back affected their actions in this life. The view that each servant had towards his master's return determined how he conducted himself. In the meantime, and I, I, I like how this story, Jesus specifically applies it toward each servant and his fellow servants. Uh, did you catch that? Uh, he makes sure that they we know that there is a, a correlation. Uh, he says in verse number twenty or 45 there, uh, He have made ruler of his household to give them... Them. There's people that this good servant is looking out for. He has responsibility over. He's taking care of them. And then verse number 49, shall begin, this is the wicked servant, he shall begin to smite his fellow servants. Smite his fellow servants. Uh, there is a responsibility, as we understand that Jesus is coming back, that we have towards other people. We have towards others to reach and to lead them. If we really believe that Jesus couldn't come back at any time and those who do not have a personal relationship with him as savior will be left behind to spend eternity in hell, shouldn't that lead us to do more? Shouldn't that lead us to do more? Shouldn't that lead us to do something about it? Or those who are already saved and whose spiritual growth and relationship with the Lord depends on us leading them to follow Jesus. We need to do more. Uh, I don't want to waste opportunities or relationships that God has given me in this life because I do not appreciate the closeness of the next one. I don't want to waste those. I've wasted too many. Uh, I've wasted too many opportunities. And, and those opportunities that are wasted will, will never be able to, to be gotten back. So from now, and, and think about it this way, you and I, we only have so many more opportunities. I don't know what the number is. 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, those opportunities get smaller and smaller as we get closer and closer to Jesus coming back. We don't want to waste those opportunities. And so we need to remember that our attitudes toward the next life will affect our actions in the next one specifically when it comes to other people. And then, oh, let's see, we only have time for one more. and So skip down. I'm going to skip some of this. Go to verse number 14. Verse number 14, this is the the parable of the steward. This kind of goes into what we were just talking about. Um, We're familiar with this story. The master leaves. I won't read the scripture. The master leaves. He has three servants. He gives one five talents. He gives one two talents, and he gives one one talent. And don't confuse talent with, you know, whether you can sing or play an instrument or you have some kind of skill. Talent, that's just, in this story, it's just an amount of money. It's something that was given. And all of us have been given something by God. All of us have been given time. All of us have been given some kind of resource. All of us have been given some opportunities. We've all been given something by God. And and the master is traveling, it says, into a far country. Jesus says that in John 14, that he's going and where he's going, we can't go yet. He's going to a far country. Uh, but he calls his servants to him. And, and I, I love how, in fact, look at verse number 14, Matthew 25. It says the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling in a far country who called his own servants. He didn't call the neighbor's servants. He didn't call some schmode from down the road. He called his servants. You and I are his servants. First, second Timothy, chapter one says we're called according to his servants. Purpose. We've been appointed and chosen to serve him. We are his servants. And then look what it says. He delivered unto him his goods. So these are his servants. He gives them his goods. And he tells them to do something with that. Uh, we have all been given something by God to use for him. Now, look what he says there in the end of verse number 15. He gave to every man according to his several ability or his, his own self's ability. And so each and every one of us have been given something different. You've been given something different than I have. I've been given something that you have. You've been given something different than the person sitting next to you. We've all been given something different, but all of us are his, and all of us have been given something by him to use for him. Now, look what happens. Each servant was expected to do something with what he had been given to produce more of it. They'd all been given something, And the master was going to come back expecting there to be more of something so what do they do and this i think is important we need to understand this each servant we know the story the five went and got five more the two went and got two more and the one buried his in the ground now what's important to remember about all that each servant had to give away what he was given each servant, he had to give away. He had to go down and, and, and invest it. He had to go down and exchange it. They had to give away what they had been given. Uh, Jesus says it this way, he had to lose it. He had to lose his life in order to find it. He had to lose it. Uh, listen, this is important. Two things when it comes to investment as we're thinking about preparing for Jesus to come back. First of all, there is always a risk of loss in investment always a risk of loss. If you do any kind of investing, there is a risk of loss. Um, you're, 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 you, you have to be willing to lose something if you're going to be able to have any kind of profit eventually. There's a risk of loss. And for you and I, we must be willing to lose some things if we're going to be a good steward of what we've been given. We have to be willing to give away our time. We have to be willing to give away our pride. We have to be willing to give, give away our resources, our finances. We have to be willing to give away our friendship, our life. We have to be willing to give some stuff away if we're going to see a return on that. Now, here's the other thing. Because in verse number 19... It says, and in a long time, after a long time, I don't know how, what, what a long time is. I don't know if it's months or weeks or years, but we just know it was a long time. So there was a pretty, pretty big period of time before the Lord comes back while his servants, specifically one and two, are investing and trying to get a return on what he's given them. I imagine that there were probably some times and if, you, if you've done, or if you know of anybody that's done any investment, uh, you know this, you know, it's, it's up and down. I bet you that there were probably some times for these servants when they didn't have much to show in their portfolio for their investment. I bet there were some times when, when servant one who had five, he only had two. And when servant two who had two had none. But there was a long time. And this is the other thing we need to remember about investing. There is always a requirement of longevity. There's a risk of loss, but we have to be willing to do that. But there is a requirement of a longevity. These servants, they didn't give up on it. They didn't, you know, if five lost two and got down to three and then finally got his two back and was back at five, he didn't pull everything out and go bury it under a tree like the other guy. No, he stuck with it and eventually got five more. Uh, they, they stuck with it. They didn't give up on it. And eventually they had the profit. They had the fruit to show for their investment. There's always a requirement of longevity. Uh, I want to, uh, I'm not going to take, take time to, to look at the, the last servant. We're out of time here. But I want to have something to be able to show for what God has given to me in this life. I want to be, be willing to risk giving it away. And I want to stick with it for the long haul, uh, willing to lose it, ready to wait it out. And so let me encourage you, as you're a Christian young adult, single young adult, whether you're a college student, you're a young professional, wherever you are in life, let's not just, as we sing songs that say we want to see him face to face and you know we, we get into the emotion of a song service and think about that, oh yeah, I want to see Jesus, uh, think about that if you really did see Jesus face to face would would and I'm sure there would be some gratitude there would be gratitude there would be thankfulness there would be joy but I wonder if there would be any else knowing we could have done more knowing we should have done more knowing that he's given us so much and we want to be able to serve him let me say this quote uh, and then we'll be done some of the saints are singing about the second coming but it's one thing just to sing the national anthem during the war, and quite another to go into battle. It's one thing to sing the national anthem during a war, and it's another thing to go to battle. Best evidence that the Lord's return has really gotten a hold of us is when we occupy till He comes, do business for God, buy up the opportunities because the days are evil. So let's be hoping, let's get our hope back that Jesus is coming again.